So for the last several weeks, we've been talking about Advent, the coming of the Lord, and Pastor Craig has uh, given us some good teaching regarding that, uh, that season and how it is properly understood. And I have noted that at the beginning of the, the pandemic, just as things were starting, I had planned and preached through a series called Living Life Well, and I concluded that series by talking about dealing with overwhelming emotions. And I talked about fear, and I talked about anger, and I talked about sadness, not necessarily in that order. But let's look at this, because as we come into the season of Advent, we find God's solutions to those overwhelming emotions, all of which I didn't know how powerfully uh, we would be dealing with those particular emotions, states of mind, I would even call them, uh, in this period that we've been in. And I'm not going to rehash 2020. I think a lot of us are just going to be really glad to get out of this year, aren't we? <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, the New Year celebrations are going to be like, woo, get out of here 2020. You know, bring on the vaccine. Let's get over this stuff. Um, but I noticed that as we were heading into the Advent season, believe it or not, I was originally not going to preach on the, the Sundays of Advent. I was like, oh, we've been doing that every year. We're going to do something this, different this year. And I started looking at it and praying through it, and I noticed hope is the antidote to sadness. When you have overwhelming sadness, when you are depressed, when you are in despair, despair means a lack of hope, God's promises offer you the ability and the opportunity to persevere through, overcome, and even come out on the other side of sadness and depression. So hope is the antidote to sadness, we will say. And then uh, we talked last week about peace, and in the wake of the, the, these vaccines that have come out, there are multiple companies that have come out with vaccines now. One has been approved, another one is in the pipeline and so forth. Uh, you're going to see that this is going to be a huge push in 2021. And uh, there was one expert that said that he thought that things were going to get back pretty much to normal by the spring. And I think if our political officials will let this thing uh, happen, will let the vaccine take place and let us live our lives, then that could very well be the case. But um, there is a whole lot of fear surrounding this pandemic. And this is the reason some people, again, I say this every week, we, we have a robust online presence. Uh, we, uh, I invested in additional cameras and uh, we've got like a TV switcher up there and I keep changing things so that I'll make it better. I put a different computer up there today so that we'll have a better experience because I know that during this time, there are people who are at risk and they're concerned and they don't want to get out there and, and, and get this thing because although, as I indicated to the children last week, for those under 18, this is practically a, a, a non-starter. It just doesn't affect people under 18. Uh, it affects them less than a cold, but it affects people starting at about my age and up more powerfully. Well, this causes people to have tremendous fear and there are many things that we could say about fear and uh, that we should not fear if we have faith in Christ. In fact, I've said it often that faith is the opposite of fear. And as faith attracts God, fear attracts the enemy. And, it, you know, there's a whole lot of what's going on right now that is stirring up fear so that it will create a sense of dependency upon news media outlets, upon the government and so forth. But Peace is the vaccine against fear, amen? 
the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Now, that's what I named the message last week. Uh, ironically, I didn't quote the verse. Um, all right, NLT, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there you have peace is the vaccine against fear. Uh, anxiety or worry is just really a type of fear, okay? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication or prayer and petition, right? That's talking to God and asking God what you need. Then his peace that goes beyond understanding, that surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, and then if that is the case, joy protects from anger, right? So hope is the antidote to sadness. Peace is the vaccine against fear. Joy protects from anger. Now, you might think of joy as being the opposite of sadness, right? Happiness, sadness. I want to, I want to, to make a proposition to you. Are there times when you are sad, but yet underneath that sadness, there is joy? Sometimes we call that having a, 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 a melancholy uh, a mindset, right? To feel melancholy, where you just, uh, for instance, this time of year, you may remember a relative of yours that has passed on. And you may remember back to the times that you had with that, that grandparent or your aunt or your uncle or uh, even a friend, and you can remember the good times that you had with them. And so you're sad not to have them with you right now. But it's not a sadness that will, uh, that will disable you. It's not a sadness that results in depression. It can just put you in that sort of melancholy state of mind where you're remembering that person, but especially if you know that that person had, had a faith relationship with Christ, then you know that they're in a better place. So you're dealing with these two things simultaneously. You're dealing with the, the reality that you are missing that person but you're also dealing with the truth that that person is genuinely in a better place, amen? So it is possible to be sad or be feeling sad, but yet to have an underlying joy. And I'm gonna tell you why that is in a minute. However, it is not possible to be angry and have an underlying joy. Anger absolutely extinguishes all joy. Now, there are times to be angry, but they are to be, they are to be brief, right? The scripture says, be angry and sin not, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun, so there are things that we should be angry about. Um, there are people who step out and do horrible things, and we should be angry at injustice, angry at hatred and these sorts of things but we shouldn't stay angry at those things. Beyond that, we need to understand that many times when we are angry, it is because our own rights have been violated or our perception of, of the, the, the entitlement that we should have, what I deserve has been violated, all right? So um, I think that rather than understanding sadness to be the opposite of joy, perhaps we should understand anger as the opposite of joy. And I would say, 
joy protects from anger. It protects us from having that ongoing, uh, and I think frustration is, is a type of anger, really. That's, for me, that's the joy stealer, is frustration. And frustration is selfish. It's a lack of control, right? But joy is the recognition that somebody else is in control, somebody that you trust, amen? And that everything is, in the end, going to be okay. Well, I want you to understand that faith in a good and loving and powerful God is what underlies all of this. So if you're following in your notes, number one is joy protects from anger, all right? And number two is faith in a good, loving, and powerful God brings the spirit of God who injects these into the heart. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that these, these vaccines that they, they have going out, you're just gonna get a shot in your arm, right? Um, there are certain shots that you have to get in other regions of your body, right? Especially if you're a skinny kid and they can't stick that needle all the way in your arm, that's when you gotta get it in a, a fatter area of your body, right? Um, there is a certain shot that you have to get in your stomach, I don't know if that's still the case, but I remember back when I was growing up, we wanted to avoid rabies at all costs because you had to get the rabies shot in your stomach. I'm like, huh, no way. That is definitely not what I want, right? I was getting some shots for a while, a couple of years ago, and they were all in the top of my right or left uh, dexterior cheek. And uh, sometimes it would feel like somebody kicked me there, like I had a bruise there, right? Um, but what I'm going to say is that the Holy Spirit injects these things that we're talking about here, hope and peace, and this week joy, and next week love. He injects those directly into your heart. But we're talking about your, your spiritual heart here. But I have to have confidence in this good and loving God. I have to keep my eyes off of the circumstances of this life and keep my eyes on the Lord. So that goes back to that verse, which I'm gonna prove to you that I really do have it memorized and I'm just gonna keep quoting it throughout this message, all right? Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. Amen. <laughs> and the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The only way to memorize stuff is to just Say it over and over again. In fact, even I probably memorized that scripture when I was Felix's age. And yeah, I just haven't reviewed it uh, in recent weeks. And so suddenly it just flew out of my head and the devil was attacking me. You guys need to pray for me. All right. <laughs> Number three, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Right? So in Galatians chapter five, that's what we're told, the fruit of the spirit. What's, what does that mean? That means the result of the spirit. Were you going to answer me? Were you raising your hand to answer me? You looked like you were going to answer, like you knew the answer, Levi. Levi went like this, and then he went, psych. <laughs> Just combing my hair back, Pastor. That's all. The fruit of the Spirit, that's the results. That's what grows as the result of the indwelling presence of the Spirit. So it's just another way, uh, another metaphor, if you will, of looking at the Spirit injecting these things into your heart. If you had something injected into your heart, it immediately goes into your bloodstream and travels throughout your body, right? And so it becomes a part of you. And that's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit brings the fruit of these things into your life. And so the secret to attaining or obtaining all of these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. When you're filled with the Spirit, 
It is not possible to remain sad. It's not possible to remain angry. It's not possible to continue to be afraid because the Spirit of God pushes all of those things out. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So these things that we've been talking about here, right, hope and peace and joy are fruits of the Spirit. Now, um, the promise that I'm offering you right now that the Spirit gives these is what gives you hope. So you may say, you know what? I'm just not a patient person. I have a hard time with that. I deal with that all the time. And I would say I do too. I really don't deal with anxiety. I really don't deal with fear. Those were things that I did deal with when I was younger. And I won't go into all of those lengthy stories. Um, but I do deal with frustration on a good, uh, on a regular basis. And I do deal with impatience. And what I've noticed is, is that if I have allowed the Spirit to fill me, then I overcome those things rather readily. But if I haven't, then I find that I have a difficult time with the, the most minor of things. I fight with our printer upstairs all the time. I have a long-standing loathing of printers. And it seems like after dealing with printers for, you know, 30 years of ministry that they would have improved. Nah, no, they have not. No, they're still stupid. I don't know why they don't work. So now you can print stuff off your phone, right? And so what I've noticed is if I print my notes directly off my phone, it makes the print bigger and I don't have to, you know, make it larger. So I always want to print a copy these days. I, I rarely use my phone. I sold my iPad, which that's a whole nother story. You want to talk about frustration. I could tell you a story there with eBay and UPS and me shipping my iPad. And I have this pristine iPad, perfect shape, perfect shape. I take care of my stuff. And the lady gets it, and it's got this messed up corner on it. And I was like, what? Yeah, then she took pictures of the box. UPS basically just beat the tar out of this thing is what they did, all right? Well, I, when I sell something that's that expensive, I buy insurance for it. And so for the first time, I had to go and make a claim on that insurance. So uh, I, I can't tell you how many emails I've gone back and forth with this lady. And, you know, bless her heart, she's been patient, but I didn't do anything. And, you know, this is what happened. But these are frustrating things. These are little things, right? Sometimes it's not the big things that get you. It's the little nitpicky things, and that robs you of joy. And the only reason that I mentioned the, the eBay UPS thing this morning is because I'm here. I prepare by making notes, but I also prepare by going through things in my mind, all right? And as I'm standing out there in the lobby, I get a notification, and it's that lady again. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, Lord, please make this be good news. Please make this be good news. Should I wait till after to check this, you know? So, but it's just, you know, it's a test. So we're going back and forth right now as to whether UPS is giving me the money and I'm giving it to her. UPS told me that they're giving her the money directly. Anyway, I don't want to get you all up involved in some nitpicky situation. I'm just trying to show you that we all have nitpicky situations like printers that don't want to print. Yeah, I, I bring, I bring the, the document up. It's an air print and it can't find the printer. So I have to go back through, cancel out, bring it back up. Still can't find the printer. Go back cancel it out, bring it back up. And the third time is like, oh, the printer's there. It's been there the whole time. Why is all this stuff so stupid? Why doesn't it just wait? Steals your joy, right? These are all tests. You have them. You could come up here and give, and give your examples. The point is this type of stuff 
frustration, anger. This is what steals our joy. But being filled with the Spirit enables us to just fly through all of those things, work through all of those things, deal with all of those things. And by the way, I was just thinking of another frustrating time, and I mentioned this to you guys, but it's an opportunity for me to announce to the kids. Kids, you're in the room. Say hello. Hello. All right. We're going to do another uh, family movie night this Friday. We're going to play, uh, I've, I've got three, uh, three videos that I want to play, and one of them is actually a really, really cool video uh, about the shepherds and the visitation of the angels. It was something that I played for our adults several years back, and they absolutely loved it. And I, it's not going to be like super exciting like a cartoon, but it's not very long either. It's about 22, 23 minutes long. And then I'm going to play Snoopy, and I'm going to play Frosty, probably play Frosty and then play Snoopy, right? And we're going to have hot chocolate again, and we're going to have popcorn again. But I fixed the problem uh, with, the, with the audio that we had last time. You guys remember every time I started the audio, it made that really horrible sound that sounded like a bad motorcycle. Well, I figured out what it was. I bought another piece of hardware and all this other stuff, and you know what? It turned out it was just settings that I had to change. I hate technology. <laughs> Everything wants to steal your joy, but the fruit of the Spirit includes joy. Number four on your outline, and I, I really, I keep wanting to say this, but I wanted to wait until I got to number four. See, what I'm saying is that joy is not circumstantial. When I say, what? What is, I just saw Annalie look up at the thing and she, I can see her face like, what is that word, Right? Circumstantial means that it's based on what's going on in the world. I won't get you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you get up and things are not going the way you would like for them to go, and you're like, this is going to be a bad day. It's just, it's a bad day. This is just a bad day. And people are like, how's your day? Oh, uh, yeah, great. My day's great. Thank you for asking. Right? But my day is not great. My day is a terrible day. And then there are other times when you wake up and it just seems like everything, uh, you know, the heavens have aligned in your favor. You're like, wow, I am having a really great day. All the lights change for you as you drive through. Like, this is amazing. I'm having a really, really great day. And so you feel happy. That's not joy. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Happiness is based on things going your way. You see, when you really get tested to figure out whether you have faith and figure out whether you're relying on the Lord or you're just relying on whether circumstances are in your favor, it's when you have a bad day. That's the test. Now, I don't pray bad days on anybody, but I will tell you, I, I did youth ministry for a lot of years, and it's been many years, and there are new challenges for teenagers today, but teenagers are still teenagers, and they're very emotional creatures, and there's a real tendency for teenagers to focus on the fact that, you know, they're having a bad day and things are not going their way and so forth. And so this is what I have said to teenagers for years and what I say to adults today. There is no good day and there is no bad day when it comes to me regarding that circumstantial idea. The scripture says, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So when you're having a hard day, a difficult day, you can still quote that scripture from Psalm 18:24. This is the day the Lord has made. Say that. It's raining outside and it's cold. 
This is the day the Lord has made. What is our response? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's, it's fun to talk to older people that have been through a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of older people and, you know, they're, they'll say stuff like, you know, oh, it's a good day. I woke up on this side of the dirt, you know. It's like they're, they're basically saying, hey, I'm not dead. I, I'm still alive. So it's going to be a good day. You can make your way through it. Hope is based on God's promises. It's not based on circumstances. Peace is based on the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not based on circumstances. And joy is not based on circumstances. Happiness is. If you want to know whether what you're feeling is happiness or joy, just wait until something goes wrong. I have literally been feeling happy, driving down the road, singing some praise song or, or humming along, and somebody cuts me off. And I'm like, hey! <laughs> That's not joy, brother. I was happy. Because if it was joy, I'd be like, hey, hey, you know? Instead of, hey! You're like, hey, fine. Let me back up a little bit. Hey, I'm going to make a bigger space for you. And by the way, this is not in my nature, so I'm just telling you what I have to learn and what I have to do on a regular basis. Just make space for all those people because they're going to try to cut you off no matter what. There was some dude the other day, and we're coming down here on, on 78. I come up and down 78 all the time, going from Firewheel Mall now back to downtown. And, you know, you've got uh, 78 comes down, and it, you tees right there, and you, you go left on 1st Street, and you kind of jog a little bit over, and you go on Main, you go right, and you go on first street going the other direction and uh and this guy in this truck i mean he you would have thought he was a formula one racer it's like there's just barely enough room for his truck to get in and he just boom weave in front of that person speed up weave in front of the next person this is the type of person that annoys me to the degree that i have fantasies of getting out of my car breaking out their window and spraying them in the face with pepper spray that's how horrible I am in the flesh. I'm sorry. But instead, I just become righteous and say, Lord, bringeth the police down upon his head. May he get five tickets for this. But the best thing to do is don't fight with him. See, I tend to think, you know, well, there needs to be a little justice here. So I'm going to close the gap. Oh, if you want to know a way to frustrate these people... I mean, this is where the road rage comes from, right? They're coming, and they're headed for, they're going to run the gap, cut the gap, and I hate it. I hate it when they do that. I keep a safe distance between me and the person in front of me, and they're going to come right into that safe distance every time. I just want to close the gap, and then they have to stop, and then they get so mad. They could, you can almost see them shaking, and then the first opportunity they have, they and go in front of you. The best thing for all of us to do is just let them go. Just make more room for them. Back up more. That's what happens when I'm filled with the Spirit, which needs to be more often, okay? We can have this positive, joy-filled attitude when we realize this scripture, this truth from uh, Romans 8.31. If God is for us, nobody can stand against us. Amen? So I would add nobody and no thing. Nobody or nothing can stand against you if you're in Christ. Amen? Say, if God is for me, nobody and nothing can stand against me. 
So that doesn't mean that nothing or nobody can come up against you. They do, and it will. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have people that are going to come up against you. They're going to say bad things about you. They're going to say wrong things about you. You're going to have bill collectors that are going to come your way. Uh, you know, there's going to be things that you're going to deal with, but they can't stand against you. Amen? Eventually, the Lord is going to move them to the other side. So if God is for you, nothing and nobody can stand against you. Number six in your outline, that was five. Um, I, I went right off of our name here on this one. The life well, right? So take the, the words apart. We're called Life Well Church, right? The life well is dug so deep in the heart of a believer in Jesus that the drought of the world can't dry it up. Amen? I was thinking about this one because I was watching this show the other day, and it was about a drought in California, and it was about some guy that basically uh, was able to buy all of the water reserves in, uh, in this, uh, this middle part of California so that he could use them for his, you know, billion-dollar ranch and so forth. But down, down, deep in the ground, there was this, this aquifer, this reservoir, and we have these in Texas as well. I know there's a huge aquifer uh, by, by Austin, this is a, a, a just incredibly large underground reservoir of fresh water. And it's way down in the ground. So as the result, that water is still available even when there's no rain happening up here. Now, obviously, we found these aquifers, we found these reservoirs, and we used them, and they can eventually be used up. But nonetheless, the point is that there is a source of water deep, deep in the ground if you dig your well deep enough that makes water available from that well no matter what's going on in here in the world. Are you thinking spiritually with me here? Jesus said that he is going to give us water that will become within us a well of water springing up to everlasting life. If we take in Christ, he digs a, an inexhaustible aquifer, right? Or he digs a well down into an inexhaustible aquifer within us because that aquifer, that reservoir, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why no matter what the drought looks like up here, okay, shutdowns and protests and, you know, political shenanigans and all of that, that, that would just dry up our happiness and our hope. That's, we're not getting it from up here. Amen. We're getting it from that life. Well, and sometimes you got to dig a little deeper friend. See, the problem is a lot of us are just too surface. We just bounce along the surface. We're always looking at the circumstances rather than drilling down into that life well that is established in us when we drink the water of life from Christ, okay? Number seven, even in trouble and tragedy, hope, peace, and joy persist. means they continue because God causes all things to work together, to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8.28, amen? Nothing that happens to you, if you are in Christ, can destroy you. Amen? Everything that happens to you when you are in Christ, God will turn around for your good. Now, you may have had some horrible things happen to you, and it may be difficult, seeming impossible at this point, 
to see how God could turn that around and work it for your good. But that's the promise of providence. That's the promise of God's word, that he will work everything out for your good. If you love him, love God. Do you believe that he is good? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that his word is true? Then you count on this. All things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? To make you more like Jesus, first and foremost. Now, in that process, there's all sorts of things that he will bring you through, um, educational choices and career choices and, and choices of a, of a life partner and so forth. He'll bring you through all of those things, but his purpose is to make you more like his son Jesus to prepare you for heaven. And that's what we're going through down here on earth everything that we've got going on. So in the end, I trust to God's providence. No matter what it is, I look for that to work out for my good, and it will work out for his glory. Amen? All right? Number eight, everything a child of God must endure is designed by the Father to make them like his son. So that's a concise way of saying what I just said. God engineers circumstances. Repeat what I just said. So that doesn't mean that God causes everything that's bad, that God creates everything that's bad, but it does mean that God takes circumstances and engineers them and works them for your good, right? So uh, uh, do you guys remember all the way back to the first Iron Man movie? You remember that movie? Right, where, uh, what's this dingo? What's Iron Man's name? Robert Downey Jr., good. Tony Stark, right, right, right. I'm sorry, I've already forgotten. Marvel, what's Marvel? I forgot. Let's look for the next superhero stuff. <laughs> so Tony Stark gets stuck on the backside of the desert somewhere, and there's these evil guys, and they're all trying to get him to, to take uh, one of the, the weapons that uh, his company that was founded by his father uh, sells and to make that usable to them so that they can blow up their enemies. And so Tony Stark is in there and he's working with this other, this other scientist. And what he does is he takes the parts that are available to him and he creates this suit that protects him. And that's how he becomes Iron Man, right? You've got to take what's thrown your way and realize that God's going to give you the ability, the intelligence, the understanding so that you can work those things together for your good, amen? So don't keep saying, oh, why is this always happening to me? Whoa, whoa, is me. Start saying, hey, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you going to, how can I, how can I learn from this, right? So, you know, kids, what are we doing this Friday again? I forgot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I use a, a streaming device to send that to our, uh, our screen uh, of a certain large trillion dollar corporation. And what I discovered was, do you know what was going on while that motorcycle noise was happening? It was because it was on Dolby Digital and those old TV shows are not Dolby Digital. So when I play music, it was the music came out fine. As soon as I played, um, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it started making this horrible hammering sound. That was the Dolby Digital signal that was going, and I don't have a Dolby Digital receiver. All I had to do was turn that off, and voila, it worked. It's a learning process, right? So that's great because I love figuring out problems, but now when somebody else encounters that problem, I can help them figure it out. 
Now, again, I'm just giving you minor stuff so that you can go, eh, all right? Because I know that there's a whole lot worse things that a lot of us are facing. But I want you to know that just like Tony Stark having the intelligence, now granted, it's a story, but follow the story along here. Just like Tony Stark having the intelligence to put together this suit and create this thing for his chest and all this other stuff so that, you know, he can escape these captors, God has given you the ability and he will give you the wisdom and he will give you the knowledge and he will give you the resources to get out of your situation. Amen? Amen. That's what that scripture means. And that's, I'm trying to offer you hope. Amen? And And what I want is for that hope to give you a sense of joy. Because I want you to walk out of here with joy, not drudgery. There's a whole lot of things that steal joy, and sometimes drudgery and routine can be that, right? Oh, I got to go back to work tomorrow. (laughs) No joy, (laughs) right? But we can't party all day every day, friends. You just can't. You look at people that, did you know there's a word for people that get bored with lives of happiness and ease? Did you know that? It's the word ennui. Say ennui. And it means that you have everything going your way all the time. You have the house. You have the cars. You have, you know, a million likes on whatever your social media is. Everything's going, and you just still feel like you're empty. You still feel bored. It's ennui. Look it up. E-N-N-U-I, ennui. We weren't meant to live on the mountaintop. Amen? It is awesome. I've, it's been years since I have gone to Colorado and gone skiing. In fact, the last time I took our group was 2003, so it's been a lot of years. But every time I go up there, I'm just amazed. You, you know, you ride the chairlift up, and you just look around at these mountains, and it's breathtaking. It's overwhelming. But you go up there to ski for a few days, and then you come back down. In Jesus' situation, he took his closest disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. Who were his closest disciples? He took them up on a mountaintop with him and he showed him them he showed them himself in his glory. So they saw these three, Peter, James, and John, saw Jesus speaking to Elijah and Moses on the mountaintop. Peter wanted to stay on the mountaintop. Peter's stumbling around. You gotta love Peter, you know. I mean, when he should be quiet, he keeps talking, right? And uh so, you know, say, hey, uh, Lord, you know, uh, we, can, we can build three shelters up here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Basically, we can have a camp meeting up here. We can just stay up here for however long we need to stay up here. And God says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, hey, Peter. Shh. <laughs> so then, you know, Moses and Elijah go away. Jesus is no longer in these shining garments. And they go back down off the mountaintop. Do you know what the first thing they faced? A demon-possessed boy in the valley who could not be healed or delivered by Jesus' disciples. So they were like in a big fight with Jesus' disciples. Why couldn't you do it? Why can't you do it? And Jesus heals the boy. We were meant to live day in and day out in the demon-possessed valley and receive all that we need with those occasional visits to the mountaintop. And hopefully you do have those occasional visits to the mountaintop, right? And so what I'm going to tell you as I conclude the message today is there's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. And you need to understand what the purpose and the time is. Now, 
in the Middle Ages, they actually fasted during Advent. But we see the Christmas season really as a time of light and celebration, and I think that that's good, all right? So Lent is a time of fasting, and it makes sense. But I don't think Advent should be a time of fasting. It can be a time of longing, but longing is not necessarily a bad thing. It's recognizing that everything is not the way that it should be, but there is something coming. There's a promise that is coming. There's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. And by the way, you are, you are put in a position to fast after you feast, amen? Yeah. And you are put in a position to feast after you fast. It just all makes sense. God works it all together perfectly. So you heard the scripture that Pastor Craig read at the beginning, and it's what fits into uh, to this last one. First of all, uh, this, this final statement is actually a scripture from Philippians 4.4. The apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, right? But the scripture that I'm thinking of that Pastor Craig read that is about feasting, is Nehemiah 8.10. Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Do you feel weak? Are your hands hanging down at your sides? You just feel like you can't go another step forward. You need hope. And these scriptures are offering you that opportunity. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you know why the devil wants to steal your joy? Because then you don't have the strength to stand. So what I want you to do this Christmas, I want you to celebrate. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to get all up into how many presents you have and all this other kind of stuff, but I want you to celebrate. I want you to understand the joy of the Lord is your strength. And really, Christmas should be a time of feasting. Now, that doesn't mean you can't intermittent fast in between and all that, controlling the weight. You know, I get it, okay? But I'm going to tell you a secret. I've already told several people this. I'm going to do an amazing weight loss contest in January. <laughs> so the fatter you are, the better. <laughs> So, right now, it's the time of feasting. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hey, I'm tired. I'm tired of all the coronavirus bummers. There are people, it just seems, they love to make everybody unhappy. Oh, there's so many people dying, and all the hospitals are full, and we're all going to die. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Gracious me. Yes, it's here. It's bad. I'm not laughing at anybody. I don't think that joy means that you just go blithely through life and ignore other people's suffering. But you know, I think sometimes I offer people hope and they would rather just suffer. They want you to commiserate with them. Do you know what commiserate means? It means join my pity party. Let me just tell you, I will pray for you. I will trust God for you. I ain't coming to your pity party. If you want me to commiserate, that's not what I do. I might say, oh, I'm sorry about that. Let's pray about it. 
But I'm not going to keep going, oh, oh, man, oh, oh, man, oh, man, that's just awful. Your life is terrible. God is mean to you. No. It's an opportunity for you to get closer to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to trust God for you, right? That's what I'm going to do. And if the Lord reminds me again, I'm going to pray again, but I'm going to trust God for you, and that's what you want. Do you know when people came to Jesus, he just healed them. He just delivered them. And he said, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. He didn't say, you need to go away and pray some more. You need to go away and fast for a month and then come back to me. Jesus always healed them right then and there in accordance with their faith. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to be set free? Or do you just want to be in misery and have other people come to your pity party? I'm offering you an opportunity to have joy, and I hope that you will. Amen? All right, let's pray together, and then we've got a couple more songs. We've got our offering, and uh, we're going to go enjoy today. Father, thank you so much for this group of people. Thank you for those that are watching online, and I just want to pray that you do inject joy into our lives We've had so much to deal with, and yet we have and we haven't. Our ancestors have had to deal with far more than we have ever dreamed of having to deal with. We're just spoiled, Lord, and I just pray that we'll trust you, that we'll love you, that we'll understand that this has all been a test, and I pray that all of us will pass the test, that we will be filled with the Spirit, that we will have hope, peace, joy, and love, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.